who cares what type you are? You're yeah. like I always say, you're the same shitty person before <laughs> yeah. you know your type. That's great. And after you know your type. That's no, really it's great. super. Yeah. yeah. If you're a six, if you're a five, you're a four, you're a two, whatever. Like whether or not you're you're, you're the same person, no matter what you you actually what type you actually are versus what you identify with. It That's doesn't great. change who you are. And so you might as well, uh, like find what is accurately yourself and it doesn't give you anything by getting the gold star i'm an eight or whatever it's like the whole process of the enneagram personality is consciously humiliating yourself Ooh, love like, that because the only way to give up your identification with these personality structures is through a certain form of humiliation yeah Hey everybody, welcome to No Small Thing, the podcast dedicated to helping you live a less certain and more curious life. I'm Scott. And I am Mace. Welcome to episode 135. Y'all, I think we might be titling this one, Not a Four, Yeah. with John and David from Big Hormone Enneagram podcast. <laughs> that might be what it's titled. He clicked on it, so you're listening to it. Are they from it. the Big Hormone Enneagram podcast? Are you- John and David? <laughs> are you are you making a joke? <laughs> you said the whole thing in the opening with like a question mark inflection. Well, because this I'm is like, going this to be is... with John and David from <laughs> Big Hormone Enneagram I, podcast. I mean, I, my question was if we're titling it that, but that is that what this long is. one. You want to say it with their names in it? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. No, I mean, oftentimes, actually, you say the title with a question mark. <laughs> it's sound. true. But well, it, it, it sounded it, particularly intense tonight. <laughs> well, I didn't know if I should say their last names, if I should say what podcast they're from, and if I sh- if it's going to be the title. So there's the, the podcast, question. podcast uh, dedicated to helping <laughs> you live a less certain and more curious life? Okay. <laughs> Shoulder shrug? <laughs> <laughs> We're not sure what. Where am I? <laughs> am I a four? Is this a microphone? <laughs> Talking? <laughs> Sorry, I'm having too much fun. Um. Okay, everyone. <laughs> so, welcome to this episode. Right now, it is Scott and I doing an intro to an interview that we had like three weeks ago, three and a half weeks ago. Question mark. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anything. I don't know when it was. Um, but this interview, we've been like teasing on our Instagrams. If you follow us on Instagram, you've been you've probably heard us hyping up this conversation because it was a big, big interview, big, big conversation, huge things happened. Um big. It was going to be part of this thing that we will be doing pretty soon. Yes. We're calling our Enneagram Blitz, and yes. it's going to be like five episodes in a row. But this one was too good in the sense a big thing happened to Mace in this episode, which essentially they discover that they're a nine and not, not a, four. a four. So if you have been following along on the podcast, um, we have always sold ourselves as an Enneagram five and a four in that existential gap, hosting a podcast together. Here we are a five and a four. <laughs> um, 
And I guess we're still two withdrawn types. But I guess maybe if you're listening for the first time, if maybe you saw this on Big Hormones Instagram or something like that, um, uh, Mace and I have been doing this podcast for about two and a half years now. And we've done many, many, many Enneagram episodes. And it's always done through the lens of you being a four and me being a five. So this was a very interesting thing to have happen. Yeah. I mean, it's like the thing is amongst our friends and our communities, it's like, I'm the Enneagram person. Mm -hmm. I'm the person who's read all the books, knows all the theories, understands the passions I've got. Like I'm, I'm the Enneagram nerd. Mm -hmm. And this whole time I've thought I was a four and this conversation, I mean this, if you are out there and you're a four identifying as a four right now, or identifying as I think maybe, yeah, probably a four, maybe a five, this conversation might be really helpful for you. Yeah. Like I, knowing all that I've known about the Enneagram still mistyped mm -hmm. for so, so long. Mm -hmm. And now I feel, I mean, like super overwhelmed by this new information, but also like a lot of stuff has fallen into place in a way that it didn't fall into place before. And this conversation just was really cool hearing about different perspectives on the Enneagram and just reminding us to be less certain about things like truly less certain about even what our numbers are or less certain about the assumptions people make when they're coming up with typologies and kind of getting below the surface and being more curious about newer theories, which mm. big, the big hormone Enneagram, which is where we kind of got connected to these folks is a podcast that is kind of doing cool, new, innovative stuff with the Enneagram, I feel like, and like broaching conversations in a way that feels really fresh and cool. And so I feel like it's one of those pieces too that they're inviting people to be less certain about the Enneagram and to think of it in like a bigger realm almost. Yeah, they're doing innovative things, but also maybe some hearkening back to some more ancient things that are getting glossed over in the modern Enneagram conversations, but also they're for lack of a better word, sort of making it cool, like <laughs> edgy, you know, they're, they, they have I a different like style. There's a different style. Other. It's a little less white. It's a little oh. less gatekeepy. I feel like, mm -hmm. and I feel like they're a little critical of like Christian Enneagram yeah. and like, the Enneagram where it's like gets really wrapped up in spirituality and becoming a good person and woohoo. And like just this certain culture that like has kind of like t almost taken the Enneagram and moved it away from it's like Gurdjieffian roots yeah. or roots in Achazo and big hormone Enneagram. This podcast and this group of folks have, they're also like bringing in like more psychological like concepts into the Enneagram in a very fresh way. Hmm. Um, I would say you've listened more than me. I've listened to about six episodes and I really like them. There's, it's yeah. very refreshing. Mm -hmm. you know, Highly recommend. Yeah. I think we need all conversations and leaders and people can gravitate towards what suits them. Right. Which I think this is something that's going to be fun about our blitz is we're part of the blitz is we're hoping like, here we are, we've been doing the Enneagram for two and a half years, but it's really been like, Hey, two pals who have our books and we read them and we talk with our friends about the Enneagram, but never been, never been to conferences, never done any like official Enneagram certification work. So this <laughs> never been to a conference, this blitz in a way it's like, there's lots of teachers and ways that people approach the Enneagram. And so hopefully 
by interviewing people with different philosophies of the Enneagram, different perspectives, different things they bring forward for the Enneagram, it can help enliven the Enneagram. Like there's so many different perspectives on it. It's not like these folks have the way to think about the Enneagram. It's not like Beatrice Chestnut has the way to think about the Enneagram. Like people have theories and it's interesting. Theories, (laughs) approaches, um, people that are uncovering certain things. Things they emphasize, you know, like I feel like Susan Stabile really has been so profound in thinking about my withdrawn stance. Mm -hmm. Like the way she talks about, withdrawn and assertive and compliant stances is to me some of the best language around it Mm -hmm. you know and Beatrice Chestnut has been so profound in talking about the subtypes yep um so a lot of lots of intro here I'm excited because I it's cool that we're in conversation with these folks and I feel sort of lucky and honored that we are talking with them seriously I hope we get to keep talking with them you know, I um, think so. I think we will have another episode with them when we release the full blitz. Hopefully, it's a compliment to us. <laughs> what am What's I saying it gonna here? Be? It, I, I'm. I guess I'm complimenting my us to say that I consider us in it. Not. Uh, what do I want to say here? <laughs> You've got this. I, I guess I would say as we continue to move forward as a, as a podcast, I'm talking about their, their style, mm-hmm. not their like clothes, but the the vibe that they create yes. on their Instagram and the their conversations. It's brash. There's like we talk about like a lot of the things that we watch in terms of the conferences and the workshops. It's very the the best word I can use for it is drab. Very drab. Very you know? slow. Very like. It just feels and stiff. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm, I'm, I'm really wanting people to hear. There's it, it's, Again, it's a preference. It's a stylistic thing. And maybe you'd use a different word for drab. Maybe maybe you like that. Maybe you think it's quiet, calm, it's contemplative, contemplative, thoughtful. Yeah. Not not a, you know taking it seriously. Um, reverent. Mm. You know? And mm. maybe that's what big hormone is, is irreverent. Mm. So I don't know. I Because we're interviewing other people, I want to make sure I'm not saying this is the better one. Or, but uh, I I I gravitate yeah. towards them. Yeah. As as people and as a style. As a style and as a podcast. I mean, they're doing a similar thing to us, where they're just kind of like, here we are having a conversation. Yeah. Come on in. But so. there's like a, a lot of swearing and stuff, which is again the thing about like, in in the Christian enneagram circles, it's just a little. Disney cheesy. I'm not putting it down. I'm saying my <laughs> preference. If that's what you like, go ahead. I'm like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but oh, okay. So there, it, there, it's a bigger group, but we only interviewed or talked with John and David. Yeah. So for this round. Yeah. And I, I think we'll talk to all of them because essentially what happened was we, our podcast is lesser and more curious. And I've been kind of an a-hole about this whole thing about trifixes oh. for like two years. And Scott's like runty noise is, is very valid. Essentially <laughs> there's this thing in, called trifixes in the Enneagram. And I very classically in the Mace way heard someone that I liked on a podcast say that trifixes were stupid. And you shook I shook your finger at me. And I said, <laughs> you said they're stupid. I'm going to swallow that and eat that idea and then walk around and tell everyone else that it's stupid. Wagged your finger. Wagged my finger at people. So not less certain, more curious <laughs> in regards to trifixes. More certain. I was like, they're dumb. I'm certain. Don't even bring it up. It's not helpful for growth. 
why wouldn't having three numbers be helpful for growth? Super annoying. I love the idea that there's like a doppelganger of us in some <laughs> sort of alternate reality where, where they're like, we're here to help you live a more certain and less curious life. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Um, but um, essentially, eventually I was like, Mace, 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 what have you done? It's time to be curious about this. It's not fair to other people. And it's kind of not being curious. Like I was like, what are you doing? And so I was looking for resources on fixes and tri types, which is this whole Enneagram concept that's essentially that you have a dominant number in each of the centers. And that's how I found Big Hormone Podcast. Mm. And then I found them and was like, oh, these people are doing big, good stuff. So I binge because it's me. When I find a podcast, I'm like, I have new friends. <laughs> yeah, it's cool because we both love podcasts, but you really are you know, you're, you're, you're listening as much as you're giving. It's a really nice reciprocal relationship that you have with the podcast universe. Oh, that's nice. You know? that's well, nice. it's like what you were thinking or saying in school, right? You're not just consuming. You're, you're I'm also creating back. a podcast. It's yeah. true. And I also, if I like a podcast, I will give you a review mm -hmm. because I know that reviews matter mm -hmm. now that mm -hmm. I'm a podcast creator. So I always give my reviews to my people. That's that one wing, baby. <laughs> <laughs> the right Look thing to do. Go. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So everybody as an intro, this is a really fun conversation with John and David from big hormone Enneagram yeah. podcast. The first half is just a conversation about their style and their approach. It's very interesting. It's so good. Um, honestly, we probably didn't even should have said that much in this opening because they say it for themselves. Yeah. We've been like stumbling around trying to tell everybody what they're all about and they say it better. It's true. <laughs> so you, you'll, you hear some really cool characters, people who are Enneagram aficionados. I don't know the best word. Um, and then, and then it will switch and all of a sudden it will be a mace focus. And you'll, you know, you know how this turns out because you're listening to this intro. But when you hear this episode, mace at that time and me did not know how it was going to turn out. Did not know. I was skeptical. I was like, mace is a four. What are we even doing? What are we this? doing about this? But something, maybe we'll release some of the video because we have this on our zoom. We recorded it and you can see almost the moment mace realizes it on their face. <laughs> when they realize, oh, oh, I think I might be a nine. And oh. I was kind of like, gosh, maybe, yeah. maybe. Yeah. And then after this all ended, um, there was a lot of pacing in this house. <laughs> a lot of Scott, pacing and processing. Scott grabs the books and is reading all these books, and I'm just like pacing, yeah. pacing. Um, yeah, no, we really, it was, it was really funny because in the beginning, I don't know how much we want to intro more, but before we started hitting record, we were like, hey, would you be down to like, we'd be fun if we like you tried to try type us and like do that thing. And David really casually was like, OK, uh, how would you feel like I'm just trying to see your defensiveness like about dominant type. And I was like, I think we'd be open like yeah. we would want to be like, of course, we'll be defensive in some sense, but we're going to try to be open. And like, well, I, think, I don't read for <laughs> something like that he said well i don't read four oh, yeah, yeah eventually well he, he said that before he even did it and i remember like throughout the whole rest of the interview before it was gonna be the time we typed i was like okay like gotta have to consciously try and not be defensive of yeah. this type because there's so much stake in like i've identified as this type for so long and not just casually yeah aggressive. so there's a lot of at stakes in this being less certain in this moment was stressy but also good well that's a 15 minute intro everybody if you're listening uh -oh. to us for the first time you know we ramble and talk a lot <laughs> we we just turn on the microphones and we're enjoying talking but we want to get to this episode so yes is there anything else you want to say or should we just go for it i think we can go for it
it's like a whole thing. I could say I am like, oh, you could discover that I'm not a four. Although there's, I've been generally identifying as a four for now, almost four. Would, I will be shaken. And I will be, regardless, There, as much as I'm like, I'll be defenseless, there are going to be defenses regardless, exactly. actually. Yeah, right. Like, um, something like that is so so personal, even if you don't think it's personal, that, like, it inevitably triggers all kinds of defenses. And so the, the, the next step is, like, kind of zooming out and not taking your personality personally. Yeah. You know, it's like, how do you, it's like this, it's like self-observation isn't just, <laughs> I'm going to, uh, like, suddenly, like, see my reactions and not react like you're gonna fucking react and it's yeah. like fine yeah but, but yeah good point don't like like don't fucking kid yourself that you're not gonna react like yeah. that you're that you're but but be able to be with that reaction like that's the key it's not to not react well and you know? the reaction might help figure out what's going on there the way you react reveal something <laughs> Sure. Yeah. Exactly. Um, we've this is random too, but we're we're doing a dream series in the next few weeks, so we've been doing a ton of dream logs, which I also mm. feel like has its own really interesting way of kind of exposing a bit of the underlying pieces, like without your sure. consciousness happening. So, like, how am I acting in my dreams? What's what's the the premise or the focus of my dreams? Um, I feel like Absolutely. that's been that's been an interesting piece of like looking at the enneagram through that. We started Absolutely. recording, by because the way. Because it was too good. I was like, if they keep talking like this, I'm going to feel stupid for not recording. But <laughs> Cool. Yeah. I mean, yeah, totally. So I think we can just get started. And, and, and I liked what you were saying when you were just kind of talking about the inspiration to start Big Hormone. Because, I mean, I guess one of the things I would notice in terms of a hole I feel like you guys are filling is it the Enneagram, it's, it's great, but that all the teachers and the vibes of the Enneagram were very like old spirituality. And I guess old, I, I don't, I don't mean to be mean about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you could say it. Yeah. 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 But you guys are making it a little bit more, um, fun while, while still staying, you know, really true to sort of an intellectual pursuit of the Enneagram. But it's, I found it refreshing, even your Instagram account, you know, um, the uh, the memes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so oh my really God. The best yeah. memes. Really good memes. <laughs> Excellent memes. Yeah. No thanks. <laughs> um, yeah. No. Like I've been uh, into the enneagrams since I was in high school, where I learned it, hmm. and uh, yeah, like I've like I'm you know I'm a social blind four or whatever, so maybe that's an excuse or maybe not, but I've always really uh, yeah hated the uh, like sort of professional or self-help veneer that's also mm. very caucasian and mm. it's very uh it just it really keeps the dialogue of the enneagram uh in a way that i felt which just felt divorced from how people are and and you know i've a i'm i am in the gurdjieff work or the fourth way mm -hmm. and the fourth way idea is that the work is the work of in life mm in the conditions of life and that everything about life is material for inner work and hmm. um what can easily develop in enneagram in christianity and any kind of spiritual or self-help or any kind of thing is like this posture of um this is me doing the work you know and this is what health and growth look like and so I like to tell dumb jokes and, uh, you know, David and Emika and Nancy and I all have a really dumb sense of humor. And, <laughs> um, 
you know, we like to be very real about where we're at and, and to kind of practice like conscious humiliation and yeah. not, not be, uh, uh, like not present ourselves as like, Oh, like we're, we're really the ones who, uh, I've done the work. I, I, I you know, I've been behind, like, I, I've been right. Behind, just like, that persona you just put on. That's, that's something that gets old to me, like very calm, very, chilled out you know I, it's like i've watched so many youtube panels where that yeah. is the entire energy it's Turn. boring as fuck yeah and it's not real like <laughs> even if you're doing the work like you still have reactions your personality is not gone right they're more transparent yes thank like, you're you. not identified with them as much but it's like uh you can see the reactions but it's not like your reactions are suddenly uh you know deleted yes and so part of yeah part of like what's sort of fun is like playing with your you know like letting your reactions be and and um you know not giving yourself wholly over to them but it's not a modification like inner work is not a modification of personality mm. or attitude it's uh it's it's presence with your personality and and presence is something larger than personality mm. so good <laughs> what do you think david <laughs> uh yeah, I mean, um, I think, uh, you know, elaborating on sort of where we're coming from with Big Hormone is, uh, we talked about in our last recording, um, you know, kind of holding uh, space for sort of the darker side of of the whole, you know, what the Enneagram is showing people about themselves, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, and like too quickly you know, the tendency is to focus on the good things about the types or, um, you know, people do a lot of, the, you know, the term gets used too much, but spiritual bypassing, right? Where right. You, yep. I mean, that's kind of what John was describing. Um, and it's not, it, it doesn't actually create any, it doesn't create goodness, right? <laughs> they're wanting to, they're, you know, pretending to be good and it doesn't create actual, um, hmm. health or, or whatever. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think what else. We, we sort of engage all. a lot with like, not necessarily intentionally, but just like we happen upon a lot of like quote unquote Christian Enneagram. And it does seem to put like that glossy, the holy happy virtues, Disney sheen yeah. on the Enneagram, you know? Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, you know, what David speaks to is like the psychological shadow. Yeah. And it's like that we all have one and health does not mean you've eliminated your shadow, but it means you're more with your shadow. And so like, how do you become more of a full human being rather than a human being who won't put their feet in the water of being human? And, you know, in so doing, it's like all that shit that you're you're still having reactions. You still want to eat. You still want to fuck. You still want to have relationships, all that mm -hmm. kind of shit that you're still angry. Sometimes you're yeah. still anxious, yeah. whatever, uh, that stuff. If you're not allowing yourself to like own that, it's still in the background and it's going to come out and you hear all these fucked up spiritual teachers or gurus or self-help people. And it's like, that's that, you know, it doesn't do any, any good to uh, pretend you're not human anymore. Mm. It's actually creating more shadow to do mm. that. Exactly. Right. Mm. Yeah. Oh. I mean, I think back to myself, like four years ago, first hearing about the Enneagram, I was like, I found some truth and was like feeling like I was going to become like a superhuman. Enlightened. And now it's four years later and I'm like, 
all it's shown is I'm more fucked up than I thought. And it's just mm-hmm. kind of continuing to expose the humanness. Literally, I'm having to live in this world, navigate it. And yeah, there's this shadow or these pieces of me that are literally shaping how I respond to the present moment all the time. Mm-hmm. And I'm, it's like I can be aware of it. And it's like this idea, the without judgment, without excuse. That's kind of, uh, I think, a Russ Hudson like line um, that's kind of stuck with me, but it's, there's times where it's like, I can see that I'm doing this thing and I don't, it's, it's happening. This is my only way I know how to function in this kind of situation. And like, maybe the Enneagram is shown, like the Enneagram is giving me language to see what I'm doing, but I'm still in the world doing these patterns. Hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you want to say something, David? No, you go ahead. (laughs) Um, I mean, being awake is like being more awake to your sleep. Uh, and it's also, you know, it's like the more that you're awake, the more you see your personality operating as a machine and the more that you can step back from the machine doesn't mean the machine's gone. It just means that there's something other than the machine available. And it's, so it's like, Mm. we have, like you see on what, you know, what you were speaking to of like either Christian Enneagram or just like professional Enneagram, it's like rewarding yourself for how, awake and non-reactive you're being, which is just giving yourself points, which is what the personality does. Mm. And so, uh, you know, it's like, it's not also not being like, oh, I'm so fucked up, look at me. Like, you know, that's a kind of another a way of avoiding, like you see these sort of like confessional style, like um, ways of jumping over our counter. Huh? I, I'm probably prone to that. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just another another version of the game. Yeah. You know, it's almost like, look at me atoning for my sins or being like, I'm a sinner or whatever it might be. And it's just another, it's just another show. Yeah. Like, who are you doing that for? Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. I think not (laughs) for those listening, like we can see John, but we can't see David. And also I'm very aware of David being a nine. I don't want to make sure I don't cut David off. Like (laughs) want to invite David to speak. Um, Oh, I appreciate it. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I'm uh, just randomly kind of jumping in here. I love with, that. You know, I've been, I've been, uh, I'm 55 now, and I learned about the Enneagram when I was 22. Hmm. Wow. And, and so I've been, and I could see that I was a nine right away. What I can't remember what people always ask me because a lot of nines don't see right away. They ask me which book I read, but I can't even remember which one it was because I'm a nine. Um, (laughs) um, So, but um, anyway, um, yeah. So I've been watching myself be my type for 30 years Hmm. and it uh, it's, you know, that's a, it's a, it's a long subject of course, because it traverses that many decades. But one of the main things was, to come to terms with the fact that I actually, you know, am an aggressive, assertive, you know, what would be, you know, angry. I've got a lot of rage, mm, right? I'm in, in the, I'm in the, I'm in the gut center. Yeah. And so, uh, and becoming friendly with that has been uh, significant as far as being more present with people being more present to myself in terms of what I want, need, you know, desire or what I'm feeling in any Mm. given moment. Right. Um, Right. So that's maybe an example of, you know, kind of making a point not to 
I don't know, identify with whatever the good stuff about being a nine or whatever. To me, it was like, I've got to go into just how, how much I've been bullshitting myself. Cause like, yeah. I can remember when I was 18 saying to somebody, I have absolutely zero aggression in me. <laughs> I mean, the biggest, biggest lie in the world. Right. But I mean, I actually thought that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So it was shoved down uh, there, shoved down deep. <laughs> yeah. And, and what initially happened, you know, was I started speaking of dream work, um, you know, having dreams and, and sort of doing, I don't know what you call it, creative visualization mm. type mm. stuff, oh, just cool. kind of preform where, you know, I started seeing things like, you know, this is just after discovering the Enneagram and kind of realizing this thing about anger and rage. I had, you know, visions of things like me being in an underground uh, huge tunnel with a raging river of lava. Right. And I'm wow. in, yeah. in like a and I'm in like a prison cell Wow, in the wall, you know, right in front of this raging river that's about 100 feet wide and i can't touch the iron bars because they're so hot oh right i mean that that kind of an imagery right <laughs> and so it's like oh okay i'm actually really fucking angry there is something <laughs> there is something in there yeah oh yeah. wow what an yeah. image for nines that's i feel really like powerful. that will really resonate yeah. Well, David has a very interesting religion of rage uh, <laughs> for that he that he uses that's mm. really good for nines. Uh, I don't know if you want to say any more, David. Yeah, yeah, I'll I'll do, I'll do that. It's <clears throat> so yeah. So one of the things I kind of adapted around that time was, and knowing it was you know kind of an in some respects an artifice just to acquaint myself and become have some kind of relationship to all that anger is to kind of, um, you know, conceptualize the universe really as having a substrate of rage. I mean, hmm. the universe starts with a big bang. Okay. So there's a big ex wow. angry explosion. Mm. Uh, the sun is uh, hundreds of billions of nuclear explosions happening in okay. every second. So that's, more rage, right? The wow. universe is somewhere past 75% hydrogen, which is a, an extremely combustible uh, molecule, atom, whatever it is. I don't even know what it is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, and, you know, the first nuclear bombs were hydrogen, right? So, um, and so on and so on. So, like, um, just uh, even water is, is two parts hydrogen, Right. And, and then it's oxygen. So it's like even water itself is on some other level. And water is where life comes from. Right. Water um, life emerges from water in multiple ways, cosmologically, you know, literally and so forth. And even water is two parts hydrogen and even has oxygen, which feeds fire. Right. So oh my gosh, this is ev so good. everywhere. So everywhere. You know, so what the picture I'm painting is, as John puts it, you know, it's uh, it's like a religion of rage. Right. Yeah. But but it's but it's true. Right. So it's uh, and it's a way to for nines to, you know, again, 
you're dealing with superego, right? With all the types, it's superego, like these emotions are good, these emotions are bad, I should and shouldn't do this, feel this, say this, and so on, right? So a, a universe of rage makes it okay for me to have rage and Ooh. be Ooh. rageful. Ooh. Yeah. I think that's going to be so nice for nines, though. I mean, I know my wife would love to hear that. I mean, it's it's funny because I also have a 16 mm-hmm. and a 14-year-old. And collectively, as a family, we've agreed and realized that it's important for my wife to exp- express anger. So mm-hmm. we'll notice her walking around the house. And, of course, the, the tell is a big sigh. You know, be like, <sighs> and yeah. we all kind of perk up and we're like, <laughs> are you angry? You know, it's like, and, and if, if, she, if our wife is like, I'm feeling really upset right now, we go, Whoa, good job. All right. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's, you know, this is maybe a Jungian idea, you know, Carl Jung, um, that you sometimes have to trick yourself, hmm. right? You, you sometimes have to trick yourself or make deals with your psyche, if you will, or your hmm. subconscious. Hmm. And so that's kind of what what I'm doing with that religion of rage is, um, you know, I'm making rage good, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's changing um, the self-image, you know, your, your whole view of yourself. That's so good. Right. Right. Yeah. Just, yeah. just reward yourself for expressing anger. And I, I like, I mean, you found a tricky way to say it in a nine way of like s- remaining one with the universe because the universe is angry. Uh-huh. True. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's that trick. <laughs> it's a very good point. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's, it's still being unified and connected into kind of the all and the everything. Gosh. It's just that the all that everything just happens to be a big sea of fire. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There, there's some people are going to love that. <laughs> and also, you know, um, part of what nines are trying to do is maintain that connection to the whole and they see rage as well as just other elements of themselves as mm. being uh, somehow trampling on the unity of everything. Mm. So they start to delete themselves. That's what sloth is. The, the passion of the nine is really representing. It's a self-deleting. And so, oh. you know, what David's image is doing is an, including those, uh, those uh, disruptive elements into the whole. So it's still allowing the nine to, to, to intuitively feel this connection to the whole, but it's, it's changing the idea of what the whole is supposed to look like. Yeah. Dang, yeah, it's giving it a so, new reframe. Um, w- one thing you guys were saying earlier uh, is you were you were talking about how when we're typing, and I feel like you, you thought this was another little element of sort of the impetus for your podcast or something you're interested in these days, but the idea of not understanding certain words or we assume certain things about certain words that we're using, like sensitivity or creativity or other things that describe the types, which often cause people to mistype. Um have you guys encountered that a lot in your work? I mean, everything is a fucking Tower of Babel, right? Yeah. Everything is like, <laughs> yeah. I say one thing, and no matter what I mean, you interpret it differently than what I mean, no matter what, yeah. you know? And it's how many degrees is it divorced from my original meaning, you know? And, and so when it comes to Enneagram, you're talking about things that are primarily unconscious. Uh, you're talking about patterns. You're talking about the the things that we just assume our reality by default that we've never like even if we're asked or invited to question it we still don't really even know how to question or how to step back from it that's why we're 
identified with the type. And so, um, you know, like even with any personality type, like what the fuck is a personality? We think we know what personality type would mean when we talk about it. Like what is type? What does that even mean? And so like even people's uh, first impression or notion of type or personality type or whatever starts to cloud and limit how they're able to engage with the Enneagram. It's like, what is the, it it kind of begs the question of like, you know, like type and personality are sort of approximations and sort of shorthands for what you're going for. But, but also the way that you understand those terms is giving you some sense of what you think the possibilities or use of the Enneagram is, which in turn sets you up for how you're engaging with the material that the Enneagram is associated with the Enneagram. Oh, you, know, it's, you have to walk back so many different assumptions and associations to kind of see things in a fresh way. And we always stick with our first impression. Yeah, I have I have a, a, an analogy that popped up in my mind or an example is, um, you know, we talk about the Enneagram in our house a lot. And my daughter's 14 and I just kind of always start riffing on the ego, the ego, the ego. And the other day she was like, wait, is the ego a negative thing? I was like, no, it's not like negative or positive, but she had this whole time has been interpreting the the concept of ego through this Beyonce and Kanye West song where like they're bragging about their big egos and she like thinks it's a really cool thing. And like, yeah, I've got a big ego and big egos are great. And it's like ambition and it's like thinking you're really great and being confident. And I'm like, Oh, that's how you've been thinking about the word ego this whole time. Um, and I was like, well, I don't, I don't even know how I begin. And if, even if my daughter was interested in me unpacking the concept of ego, <laughs> And then are we approaching it from like a Freudian concept or like like traditional whatever ways people are talking about in terms of the Enneagram today? But even that word, ego. Oh, yeah. I mean, what is the ego? What is the ego? <laughs> it's it's like, I mean, when we're talking about an Enneagram, it's your ego means I am. And so it's like personality is a structure, right? Mm-hmm. It's a pattern and structure. But the ego, when referring to that, it means that you're identifying with the personality as you you're taking you to be the personality and we all do that so it doesn't do us any good to be like oh i I realize that i'm not really the ego like yeah blah 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 we all get that you know it's like but we that's what we do is we take i to be located in the personality pattern Hmm. that's why it gets charged up this is who i am yeah personality is is a is a psychological pattern so it's like it's based on instinct so Mm -hmm. it's like Every time you have an instinctual need, which is all the time, it kicks your personality into certain patterns of reaction. And then you were like, oh, that's me. Like from an early age, like that feels like I. And so, you know, the, the, the aim, the work is to find uh, what I actually is. And it doesn't feel like me. Oh. One word I would be, this is random, but curious for you to unpack is essence. Because I feel like that is a huge Enneagram word that gets tossed around and I know I've brought in like a very weird I grew up kind of Christian and I brought in like Imago Day language to my understanding of essence and I just feel like it's probably pretty wrong but as you're bringing this up I'm like these words I've I've brought certain assumptions to the table um, sure. and, and we Mason and I have disagreements about <laughs> essence because I, I think we're all inherently evil and Macy thinks we're all inherently good <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, so don't take my word for it, you know, like just whatever, but 
we use the term essence in the context of the Enneagram because Gurdjieff, who's the guy who introduced the Enneagram system, not a personality, but as a process and yeah. cosmic law um, symbol to uh, out of obscurity, he introduced it to the world. Um, fundamental to his teachings was this contrast between essence and personality. And so essence is what we're born with. And it's like, basically the seed of what could be conscious in us so we talk Mm. about being present what can be present or not is not a personality it's our essence and if you've ever tried to be present which you can try right now by like sensing yourself and feeling your feelings and being aware of your awareness it's very difficult and it doesn't last very long yeah so whatever you call essence is something that is very fleeting and very unstable and so the work is to develop essence through being intentional and present and having it more robust and can like uh madame espensky uh has a quote that's being or the you know the capacity for essence to last is what you can bear Mm. and so Mm. it you know we we can bear very little um and essence is very fleeting and flickering but it's it's sort of what we have to work with to achieve something uh, again inner life and Gurdjieff said that we're not born with a soul, that we have to develop one. And mm. if anything could be called a soul in our experience, it's this capacity for essence to be stable. Dang. And mm. it's highly unstable. So in contrast is the personality. Personality is, the, you could say it's the structured part of essence or it's built around essence. Essence is non-functional. It doesn't do anything. It's, it's just it's, being. It's being. It has qualities. Being has qualities. It's not a monolithic thing. It has texture. Like the t- types are based around nine basic qualities of essence, ways we recognize presence. It's mm. like eight. When you're present, you feel more here, and the world feels more here. Mm. All right? Or And that's that's like you could call that power, whatever the fuck you want to call it, but that's a quality of essence that, that eight feels really connected to, mm. especially. And so on for the types. So when it comes to the personality, the personality is what in us can function. Anything that we do, all the things that we like really like fucking uh, get very egotistical about, those are all personality functions. Mm-hmm. Those are things that they're, they're, they're functional. They do things. And even if we don't recognize it, everything that we do, everything in the personality stems from instinctual, bi- instinctual concerns. So when we talk about being a machine – in, in the Enneagram language or whatever, we're talking about how our personality is entirely a reaction and management system for instinct. And if there's nothing else in us that's cultivated, everything in us is purely automatic because instinct is automatic, right? Mm-hmm. Like you don't mm-hmm. choose who you're attracted to. You don't yeah. choose when you're hungry. You don't choose all these appetites. You respond to them in a certain way. And so from that point of view, the personality is entirely mechanical and functional and the aim of the work is to have the right relationship between essence and personality. The idea is that you live in two worlds at once, Hmm. that you live in the world of personality without being your personality. So like people, you know, it's like people always think of uh, waking up as like, like fixing your instinct or fixing your personality. So it's like, Oh, I don't, I don't just eat. I eat organic. Like, or I don't, I don't have, I don't fuck. I have uh, tantric sex or I don't, you know, I only associate with the best people. And it's like, that's not maybe, I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe not, but those are functional improvements. They're not being, and Mm -hmm. maybe your function changes 
in relation to being having more of a presence in your awareness, but it's not the same thing. So they're really important to understand. And people get very vague about what essence is. They get yeah. very functional. Like they talk often, they confuse the maybe because they positive qualities of the types with essence qualities. Again, essence doesn't do anything. Dang. I think as as you were talking, I was thinking about it from a five lens, and I think even maybe in an egotistical way, um, I I can I can get very I don't know why, but like cocky about the fact that I don't need a lot of stimulation. Like I I, I can sit and stare off for like two hours, but it might appear that I'm living into essence, but I'm really thinking a lot. Like my mind is racing, and I'm trying to figure a bunch of things out. So even in that state, I'm not present i'm no, gone a form in my of dissociation head. yeah and i'm working pretty hard actually <laughs> it's kind of exhausting <laughs> but yeah i think it yep. i think that thinking is a way to stay like distracted from being present like i instead of like i don't want to sit there and be actually present i want to think about sure. old, old grudges i have i want to think about how to solve problems in the world and <laughs> work out well, philosophical issues in my head yeah it feels like uh, when you start to like take away some of the energy of the per- like you can't stop thinking mm-hmm. you can siphon some of the intensity away from it mm-hmm. and have something of your own presence but to do so feels like you're doing nothing right it feels like you're um you're just being yeah and it feel all the 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 things that our activity is usually there to cover up start to come into awareness and so it's like Sometimes when we're present, we feel really good. And sometimes we feel like fucking shit when we're present because the reason we're not present is because we're, there's a lot of stuff that we don't want to experience. Yeah. That's not a mystery. You know, it's like every, every, I think like presence is a state of being positive and it, you can actually be very healthy and, and totally miserable because it's about being present with what's there. So, you know, uh, all that shit, all the emptiness, the feeling like you're going to actually die, like the feelings of being completely alone all that kind of shit, like you're, it's there already. And it's just, Mm -hmm. we put a lot of activity over it. Yeah. Like sometimes to experience essence would be to put the distraction down and it will be like a painful experience of having to sit with something like a a real emotion happening. Right. And sometimes like, like certain emotions, like, like we do a lot of avoiding our real feeling. We spend a lot of time in emotion and reaction, but when we are with feeling we're not in control of what we feel and therefore feeling the heart center two, three, and four types all speak to how the heart center is about our identity. So when we're impacted in the heart, our identity changes and it changes in ways it's not as comfortable to the personality. Sometimes it puts the personality at odds with its own goals Hmm. because we're, we're changing and it starts like you fall in love or you, uh, you know, like you're like, I always give this dumb example, but you like, you see a kitten, or something outside that's like starving and suddenly you're you're a, you're a cat parent you know what i mean it's like <laughs> there's a way that we don't have a, a real choice in what the heart does hmm. and so we put a lot of uh uh shit over it so that we can kind of manage our our little sense of personhood yeah yep. the the john elaborate on uh, identity i mean partly you're alluding to how two three and four you know besides being those types right there's a there's a way in which we're uh we can kind of relate into those types at another level relative to identity mm-hmm. is that right yeah mm. 
Yes, this kind of gets into some of what we were talking about earlier with like the problem of language and terminology. Yeah. It's like, you know, like, so for example, you, let's say you go to a lecture or pick up a book about the Enneagram. You read about a type, what you have to be, what has to happen is like your, the book or the lecture has to be accurate, which 99% of the time it's not. (laughs) And then your understanding of the material has to be accurate, has to be in your head. Right. In, you know, there has to be a translation from page to head in a way that's accurate. Yeah. And then page to head to observe yourself. Right. So that's like another step where you're having to like actually see. And then you're obser- what you're observing is yourself from a largely unconscious and automatic place. So the data you're gathering itself is often really fucked up already. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so you get all these different steps. And so, so. Um, you know, when it comes to the centers, the body, the heart, and the mind, we all think we know what a heart, body, and mind are because right. we all have them. But our experience of them is deeply uh, limited and minuscule. And so in terms of the heart, one of the ways to start to understand type is to look at it not as, okay, this trait and behavior belongs to this category and this trait and behavior belongs to that category, but to actually see what on a – from a point of view of like uh, – that the personality employs all nine strategies in various ways to, um, to you know, f- from the point of view of the body, the eight, nine, and one are types about our ego boundaries and the way we we be and exist and feel ourselves present in the world. Yeah. The two, three, and four are all different, um, have different emphases on how we know and express our identity. So the two is how we know and express our identity in relationship. If we never had a relationship, we wouldn't know a lot about ourselves and a lot of ourselves would not grow. The three is about how we know uh, and express our identity through what we actualize, Hmm. through what potential we we kind of like make actual through our action. And the four is how we know and experience our identity through introspection or more precisely like how we hone in on the – the kernel that is uniquely mine, like what's mm. mine independent of anything else mm-hmm. before I do anything. And then the, the five, six, and seven are all different uh, takes on, uh, on awareness and how we frame reality, how we see things. It's not so much knowing because knowing is like often confused with uh, grabbing onto information and sticking it in something, but it's like how we see in like a capital S way, like how we, Every time you like reality is a big mash of things and you need some way of slicing and kind of using a lens to focus and to yeah. expand, to contract. And that's the only way you can deal with reality. So, so anyway, yeah. that's like, like what the types are, are on that level is like the, a, a lens through which all the, per, all, all people, all beings are, are engaging with reality and then they're distorted in various ways. It's it's making me think about in listening to Big Hormone, you gave the example when you were explaining fixes about this idea of like the car and the body types being like the fuel and the heart types being like the way they see them see themselves. And then it was really helpful for me thinking about the head fixes as like the the way in which you operate. It's like it's the operating system, the way in which you're you're functioning. Hmm. Um, I found that to be like a very useful way of understanding the head types that I hadn't really thought of before. Cause I think it does get so thick, like the language gets so fixated on, on like information, but it's like how you're processing and how you're operating with that. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. 
That is yeah, weird. sort of starting from not knowing the head types is like, what do I do from not knowing, right? Like, which map am I going to hmm. choose or hmm. how am I going to stylize my thinking? You know, am I going to go super granular or big picture or, you know, consult others? Be very <laughs> yeah, vigilant. Kind of yeah, yeah. Sixes. <laughs> Yeah. Well, well, that might. Should we do it? Try to do a conversation about tri types. Would that be fun? Yeah, go for it. Sure. Like, in terms of like figuring, like talking about our own, or just just generally Maybe talking all four about tri types in a way. Yeah, like exploring the differences. That I think that'd be kind of fun. I think so too. <laughs> yeah. How you feel, David? Yeah. I mean, uh, as long as you guys are open to. Uh, uh, you know, some, some new ideas. Yeah, no, that's, that's the whole point. That's yeah, the whole no, point. We, yeah. would, we would definitely be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um well, I mean, uh, and it, do you, in that conversation, do you, is there some groundwork that needs to be laid as far as, you know, relative to your listeners, you know, about trifix, tri-type? I think so. I think, yeah, I think we haven't really addressed trifixes that much. So, I mean, obviously we can't be going off too much, but if you wanted to briefly try and just, yeah, lay the groundwork of what we're even doing with trifixes, I think that would be really helpful. John, you want to go for it? Or? All right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so most of what it, what we, what we, the basic concepts, ideas, and distinctions that we use in the modern Enneagram personality come from Oscar Echazo. And, uh, you know, the, the passions, the fixations, the virtues, the holy ideas, like the instincts even, um, these are all thanks to Oscar Echazo. And uh, so included in this is this concept of trifix, trifixation. And, you know, it's, I don't know how well he developed it because I'm from what I know of his material, it's only sketches. But the idea is that not only are, are, are we... Um, that each type is rooted in the body, the heart, or the mind. So eight, nine, and one are body types. Two, four, three, and four are heart types. Five, six, and seven are mental types. So if I'm a four, for example, I'm a heart type or an image type or feeling type, whatever you want to label that center of intelligence. But uh, not only am I, uh, do I have a heart, but I also have a body and a head. And so how do I engage? What energy do I draw from, so to speak, from these other centers to engage those other centers. So not only is there a particular relationship that four has to the body, but also the, there, as a four, I can express my body fix or my body, fix, uh, my body fixation through the lens primarily of eight, nine, or one. And this is gonna change and modify the way my type is expressed. So mm. eight and four are both reactive types. That means that they kind of want to provoke a little bit to kind of get where people are at. And they have different ways of doing that. But it means that uh, that's going to make a more reactive kind of four, a more pushy kind of four. Um, if I've got a nine fix, those are two withdrawn types. And so that makes a little bit more of a ephemeral, a little bit softer four. Uh, I like Chelsea Wolfe, this, this singer, uh, musician, as a great example. Um, you know, there's a little bit more of a softness and um, the melancholy is a little bit more wistful. And then with mm. the one fix, it's going to make uh, a much more picky, precise kind of one or four. 
much more concerned with like aesthetics and uh, like very like you, you know, like very prone to being disgusted. <laughs> Critical. Critical. <laughs> I'm you know, they're both. That's already. Judging. You're already. They're both <laughs> frustration types. So you got double frustration. And so the reason I'm going through in detail with double the fixes frustration. There, it's yeah, because what yeah. you're doing is you're starting to see what are common, what are what are different in the fixes and yeah. how they enforce certain qualities of the types. Yeah. So you get you can get a in a two with an eight fix versus a two with a nine fix is going to be really different flavor because as you said Mace it's like the fuel driving the the car yeah and then in addition like I have a five wing but I also have a five fix Ooh, so the double you know, whammy double whammy <laughs> uh, you know with the eight two that means double rejection yeah. um, and wow. double withdrawn and so you get this sort of map where you're putting these qualities together my thinking style and my uh, you know, is very like granular and, and kind of like a, a like I want to burrow my, my brain into something that reinforces <laughs> my fourish tendency to do that in all, from the heart center perspective. And so yeah. you start to layer these things. And so what we did at Big Hormone Enneagram is we made these, uh, we call them roast names because you'd see online these like lists of like, oh, the philosopher is blah, 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 or the, the sage. And these are super vague. And yeah. so we decided to make fun of all the types and just rip them apart. I love it. Because <laughs> I love it. you remember them, you know people, you don't know sages maybe, but you know like um, a Bermuda Triangle or you oh, know. Oh, we do. We do. That's, that's our friend <laughs> Daniel. You know, you know what are like a robo celibate, you know, these names. Yeah. Or a, a Stockholm Syndrome. And so, um, so yeah, that's what we did. And What's David like? Uh... <laughs> David is a, huh? That's uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> 974. Nine seven four, huh? You know, I'll <laughs> say, I'll say one thing about the fixes that I think is really interesting. I don't know much about astrology, but I've watched a, I've watched a, a recent reading, and I watched the way it was mapped out, and I feel like it's similar with the tri fixes. Like once you kind of see the enneagram and you kind of see the laws of threes, like as you're mentioning this, like reactive types and like looking at the object relation types, it does kind of become this piece where you like see where you're mapped out, and so like what pieces are overshooting one area where are you kind of balanced like are you triple complacent I feel like it's it's adding that layer but it it does seem to require a bit of understanding of like the dynamics mm. happening within the Enneagram like symbol itself I guess yeah Sam what do you mean like like I feel like you have for me I guess I'll just say I'm glad I figured out or learned about trifixes when I like with an understanding of what even like the idea of like a withdrawn stance is. So it's like, if you don't know like what these pieces are of like being withdrawn or assertive or compliant, then it doesn't make as much sense or it's not as useful without like knowing what's happening, like with the combination of a nine and four, where are they similar? Where are they different? Kind of like looking at it within the the map of the Enneagram, I guess. I don't, that's just the language I like to use. Absolutely. Go ahead, David. One thing too is that it um, the fixes um, shape your superego too, like mm. what things are kind of allowed, right, mm. um, uh, to be expressed. For example, well, like uh, I'm nine seven four, and I know a few nines that are Bermuda nines, so they're nine six three, nine three six, uh, and there's not as much allowance for 
creativity, mm. right? Mm. Or nonconformity or, you know, being different or strange or whatever, that kind of thing. Whereas like as a nine, <clears throat> you know, there's a thing about sort of being seen and, and not, not wanting to be seen and wanting to be seen kind of at the same time. Right. And so yeah. with seven and four fixes, it's like the, the, the way the superego frames it is I'm only worth seeing if I'm bringing something seven or four ish or some combination, right? Something mm. exotic, unique, new, strange, odd, dark, you know, dramatic, colorful, et cetera, et cetera. Something that nobody's ever seen before. Mm. Then, then I deserve to be seen. Hmm. Right. But otherwise I should stay in the background. That's how it gets trapped out. Hmm. Yeah. Are you thinking about that for yourself or what were you saying? Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, we're, if we're going to get into this. That is curious. Yeah. Like, I mean, you guys talk a lot about fours and nines mistyping. And I feel like if you have a four fix that could help like lend itself to mistyping mm-hmm. thinking you're like a four. explain why you're mistyping. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. David. Go ahead. Well, um, I mean, certainly it would be almost to be expected that, you know, a a sizable percentage of nines who are four fixed and let's say seven fixed, um, you know, that's, it's kind of like triple creative, right? And to the degree that you're associating fourness, you know, with creativity, you know, uh, uh, you're going to possibly type as a four, right? Um, so yeah, there's to look for, um, well, if you're getting into, you know, am I a four or am I a nine and you, and you were that trifix, um, you know, there's to look at just how disagreeable you're willing to be right amongst people, right. And how much you're kind of saying no, kind of all the time. To, and there's a lot of that's not me, right? To kind of continue. I don't know if you want to add to that, John, what you would say. Yeah, I mean, so, yeah, the question of four and nine itself is uh, pretty interesting because it starts to bring up some of the issues that Trifix is helping you sort through, right? Because... Um, what the question like we get a lot of shit because actually like so i've known david for fucking over 10 years and uh (laughs) we met online and uh i like resonated with david's style and Mm -hmm. i was like i i messaged him and i was like i've i've never seen anybody speak like you and i get Mm -hmm. it completely and Mm -hmm. i see how everybody gets fucking triggered by you you know (laughs) david very kindly was just like what's your address (laughs) he sent me i sent you know the stranger on the internet from texas sent me all these fucking tons of books that i said you know that's awesome a whole thing it was a whole thing and and so you know david uh was the one who started to point out especially online how many nines were taking themselves to be fours Hmm. and based on how most descriptions the the level most descriptions go uh, of these types you can kind of understand why first of all uh, teachers and whatever do not give nine enough credit, mm. hmm. right? Nines are often trivial, like, and it's kind of ironic because sloth is in a way it's a self-trivialization, and so 
there's a way that nine gets sort of trivialized as being like conflict avoidant, which a lot of nines fucking not conflict avoidant. Uh, like, you know, just sweet and passive and whatever. Some of them, some nines are like that. And some nines are absolutely not like that. Uh, but when you're not understanding clearly what the dynamic that underlies that type, what that type is really going for, then you're going to get, you know, then you hear, oh, I'm passive and always soft. And like, as David was speaking to earlier, it's like a lot of nines experience themselves as like a deeply conflicted, deeply mm, tumultuous yeah. inside. Mm. And the reason they need to uh, find equilibrium so much is because one, they're so sensitive and they're absorbing shit constantly. And there's so much conflict inside that they need to keep it down because they feel like they're just going to fucking melt the whole planet. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. Whereas, like, I'm a four and, like, I don't consider myself that tumultuous. Yeah. Right? Interesting. But the feedback I get is, is, you know, like, that I'm just fucking going off all the time. And it's like, like, there's there's frustration and whatever. But it's like, as a four, what four is doing is they're amping up their reactions constantly ah. because it's like i locate myself through my reactivity yeah and so it's a completely different <laughs> strategy but and, and that also means like i'm i'm like i'm in a place of uh as david speaking to disgust uh, i'm a frustration type so it's like there's a sense of like like complete alienation and fuck off from the whole planet you know it's like everything is like is like a letdown everything is like I was, I was thinking of being a four as like the like the horrible tra- like a horrible tragic thing or like a like a cosmic oil spill happened like, <laughs> you know millennia ago and nobody fucking w- sees how like nobody in, sees it nobody sees that we're all in fucking decay and so you don't like at, at this point like as a four it's like you don't you're not even trying to let people know because you're just like this is the reality and everybody's an idiot so it's like this intense sense of separating versus like the nine where the nine like so a lot of people go oh four wants to be understood and it's like sort of, kind of. but the nine has a more overt need to be understood or seen as david mm. was speaking to that that sort of uh you know i want to be seen and not seen and so yeah. you get these these things you have to parse out that start to actually illuminate like oh as a body type the nine has permeable boundaries and they're absorbing things through the body that is causing all these body reactions like rage, like frustration. And then that gets translated through the heart center's sadness. Mm. But it's going on on this level of ego boundaries, whereas mm. the fourth thing is happening on the level of the heart center. Mm. And it's happening through frustration around nothing in the world has any bearing on my identity. And I'm completely trying to separate from the world. Dang. And so you get these nuances of where they're like um, – like clock gears on different levels operating together. And that's what I think one of the, th- one of the things that the material that the, the trifix starts to bring out is you start to get some texture. A lot of people use trifix to blur distinctions. Mm. Yeah. You're like, oh, well, I'm a, I'm in this fix this. So, uh, you know, I'm the exception. And it's oh, like, yeah, no, yeah. whatever your fix is, you're totally your main type. Yeah. yeah. You're totally that. Uh, if you're using it to like go, I'm the exception of this, then you're you're probably not that type, you know. And so, getting these layers of where body center boundaries are being expressed or not or controlled, where identity is being expressed and how it's being reached and how awareness is being organized and responding, uh, you know, that's what the fixes are all about. Dang, super helpful. I know that's gonna be super helpful, and I know some, some a lot of people that listen to us will be like really grateful for. A, a, finally 
cracking open the topic of trifixes. I think so. Yeah. I would. Or they'd be like, who are these two fucking idiots? (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't think so. I would be curious. Like, I feel like it would be interesting for people to hear this. And I'm now like very curious your guys' thoughts. I've, I've identified as a four. There's pieces of the nine that you're naming that I resonate with, but then also there's a lot of pieces with the four that I resonate with. I think I'm a four one fix. And as you're talking about it, it's like embarrassing how fucking annoying I can be about things that I've decided I'm picky and aesthetic about and like can be an asshole if people aren't well, living into Well, just the reaction, those. the imitation you gave oh. when it got to the four one. What, hey, so yeah. one, one thing, John, you might uh, elaborate like, we we all got together, um, our whole gang and some extended friends about when was that two three four months ago in New York, and one thing John was noting about both Emika and myself and Emika's an eight and he's got a four with a three fix and I'm a nine and I've got a four with a three fix is just how that um, tempers you know or uh, molds my type for example. John, you had some observations about the well, problem uh, the problem children that Emika and I can be because of our four fixes and, and how that, <laughs> you know, colors. Yeah, our types. so, you know, this might get annoyingly granular, but, like, even the wings in your fixes make a difference. And yeah. so there's a slightly different flavor from four with a five versus four with a three. Like you with know? your and fix? You could have your fix can yes. have a wing? Yes. <laughs> It's, it's nauseating. Yeah. Uh, I love this uh, stuff, though. I love nauseating, this stuff. but then it's endless. That's fun. Yeah. So, so yeah, hanging out with Dave and Emika, like uh, I, we were, we were all partying. So I was in an altered state, but I started yes. hysterically laughing uh, because I was observing how Dave and Emika, as body types, uh, they're still got this princess quality. Mm. You know, there's this pickiness. There's like ew, ew uh, mm. ugh. you know, and this, this. Um, sort of elitist taste that they are responding to. And, and, you know, like both David and Emma, like, you know, I'll just take David cause he's, cause he's here and also nine, like, um, you know, I don't, I can't speak to how David sees himself, but knowing nines, nines often do see themselves as like, you know, uh, agreeable. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, David is, and then you get to specific things and it's like totally non-negotiable. And it, I think like, you know, David doesn't see where he's a big pain in these areas that much, or it's maybe like he sees it every now and then, but it's like probably not front and center, you know? Yeah. Um, And so like, he's a very picky, fussy nine for, (laughs) but, but in this, like this, like, you know, so I was like, I was like laughing, like David and Emika have princess energy or something like that. Something like this. I can't remember. Was that what you're talking about, David? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and also too, with being a nine with a one wing, the one and the four, you know, that's a real critical, picky, specific, right? It's 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 knowing exactly the right, you know. Oh, that music, that song for sh- it's factually bad. Ah, uh, yeah, <laughs> right? yeah, yeah. It's yeah. not just my opinion. <laughs> that's factually bad. Yeah, that imagine shirt, that, that shirt. That's a factually ugly shirt. <laughs> yeah, so confused yeah. by that. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, amazing. Like Imagine Dragons is a factually terrible band. You know what I mean? It's well, like, that's true. Well, that that these, that actually these, is these these kinds of like these kind of like blanket terminations yeah. like that are just like that's it. And so even with as a nine, you're, you're gonna have yeah. that. Or like you know, Emika as an eight, and the eight stereotype is like, oh uh, yeah, duh, duh, duh. 
but at the same time, <laughs> you know, he's got this little fussy side that's like hilarious. That is so so great. I like as a team, you're even very comfortable just modeling out what you're doing in terms of just roasting other people, and that's a really nice. Yeah, that's again, nice. refreshing any Graham energy out in the world. You know, you mean roasting each other or yeah. people in general? Both, both. <laughs> <laughs> Coming up with yeah. more playful names, you know, for the types and the trifixes. That's that's fun and and needed. I, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that like we're all kind of obnoxious personalities in our own way, and mm-hmm. so like if we weren't roasting each other, uh, we'd you know be <laughs> sitting on repressed rage. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You do you want to do you want to explore being a four? Well, I'm feeling like, I'm feeling yeah, a little. David, D- David is really good at this. I would love that. Feeling. I'm feeling like I'm I want that because I'm I don't want to walk away feeling so, like what if I'm a nine? So I'll just <laughs> start going here. I don't know where I'm going, but yeah. I yeah. mean, I'll just just say a very uh, generic statement. Your energy doesn't seem like a four to me. Mm. Okay. So I mean, you seem. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, fours are um, somewhat invested in sort of, um, what would you say, sort of um, an image of not being agreeable in the first place and not being, you know, even um, smiling and so forth is kind of something that fours are holding back to some degree um, and kind of expressing it expressing their kind of universal you know distaste for reality in that way in in a in a you know that's i don't know john if you want to pick up the baton from there from force uh there's a there's a you know a chronic self-obfuscation um that i think is that what you're speaking to david is like like there's this there's this protest it's like a constant protest of right not going to get on board Mm-hmm. I'm not going to agree. I'm not going to get on board. Um, and I'm advertising it kind of right through it's, you know, incidentally, maybe, maybe it's automatic, but it, but it comes through in your face. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think there's, there's a truth to that. Like I've been self-observing myself. I just started grad school and I'm like in a big classroom setting and it's, it's interesting because I can sense that I have a lot of differing opinions than most people, but I'm, I have realized, like noted that a lot of my strategy is to be, I, I want everyone to see me as being a, like open and soft and like fun so right. that they will then hear my disagreeing opinion and like take it hmm. with value. So right. that, that is interesting. I'll, I'll just say it cause this, this is fascinating and it's going <laughs> to be interesting if like, I'm going to be exploring this, the piece that has made me like makes me, f- that has stood out the most when I think about four is like, first of all, I feel super self-absorbed and like generally very self-interested and like relatively self-obsessed, if that makes sense. Like I'm very fixated on myself and could be entertained with my own internal world all day. Um, And then on top of that, I also am like, honestly really like there's a lot of comparison and like envy and like that is a, a big piece of how I like operate, I feel like. So. If yeah. I can jump in, so yeah. like self-absorption, so seeing yourself as self-absorbed can be 
coming from the nine thing, let's say if we're exploring nine for you, mm-hmm. uh, of that, you know, there's a, there's a somewhere under the surface unconscious or whatever the right phrase is, uh, you know, I shouldn't be self-absorbed, right? So to the degree that you're seeing self-absorption or, you know, pondering yourself, there's a should there about maybe I shouldn't be that self-absorbed or to the degree that you're noticing the part of why you're noticing the self-absorption if you are a nine is again that you're sort of spoke you're supposed to be sharing yourself more would be a message that is part of nine right is or I mean maybe that's not the right phrase or whatever but you know what I mean there's sort of a participation and a you know you're in some ways it's kind of what you just described which is um you're almost you almost described a style where you were sort of an ambassador for your own thoughts right i'm going to be this somewhat kind um style agreeable to some degree so that i can then prepare everybody for me to say these things that I actually disagree with, right? Ooh, you kind of well did this said. whole negotiation thing, right? As opposed to just with four, it's just, no, I don't like that. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm, I'm exaggerating, right? Yeah. Yeah. Not, but not, not too much. Not too much. No, and I, <laughs> it's, like, I mean, it's like, no. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting because certain situations that is my reaction, but in other ones it's not. And so, yeah, that that's it's, you're unpredictable. But how how would like social play into that? Because I feel like your social instinct is cause constantly causing you to notice the room and adjust. Is that is so, because that that's for like for a social for right? So yeah. well, so a social for wants to be seen as socially suffering hmm. generally. Yeah. <clears throat> so one way, I mean, John, you can elaborate on social for, but I mean, one thing that I see in social for is more rejecting hmm. and more harshness of wow. what's going on in the social environment. It's <laughs> you're more pick you're more picky and you're more no 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 that's bad those people you know uh, I don't like that taste those that style whatever they're doing socially they're not doing it right or you know it's disgusting to me they they have no value well, I don't I don't I don't care about those people you know and, and you have a very small sliver of what is good, right? Because, I mean, that's part of four. It's, it's, it's a critique of everything, right, of life and reality. Hmm. What, would you, yeah. what would you say, John, with social four? Yeah, so the setting myself apartness through the lens of the social four is against the social world, right? Like I am separate from... And may, like there's like I'm separate from it might be I'm better than or I'm deeper than or whatever. But it's like, it's like there's a disgust with the larger social world. And sometimes you like you do have this desire to connect. So sometimes you let yourself, you know, have a few friends or something like that. But it's it's largely a critique energy like Marilyn Manson is a social four with a three. Five uh, yeah. Yeah. And it's like that. I'm going to be I'm going to represent the social shadow and yeah. I'm going to flip it back on you because it's like a way of of of, of like. Uh, like sucking in the poison and spitting it back in your face, and mm. so the four, the, the, the you know, and, and that 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 metaphor has the the feeling four has of disgust, of being sick, or being taking on the sickness or something. 
And so it makes the, the social floor is very elite, right? And elite can mean different things, but it's like I'm in tension with everything else. Mm. Like I'm a, you know, so like I'm a, I identify as a sexual floor and that happens that I, I'm not as, I'm social blind. So I'm not as charged around the social thing. So I'm just like a, kind of an idiot. Like, oh, look, I'll be on your podcast. You know, it's like, I don't, <laughs> I'm not even thinking. Whereas like, around sexual instinct stuff and attraction i'm very specific and neurotic and all this kind of shit you know and so um yeah the the sort of the narrative tradition uh subtype of social four in my view is really not uh reflective of how i actually think social force mm. it does, social do, doesn't become this descriptor that makes you sociable yeah ah. right. <laughs> yeah ah. which i mean i think of my stack if i were to i feel like i i've thought I might be a sexual for but gosh this is this is really interesting I feel you're like always so open I I mean it's, it's like every three months I mean Macy's so identify as a four for like four years but every three months it's like maybe I'm not a four um, <laughs> so John do you want to talk more about what sexual for is as uh, a yeah so sometimes it's a little hard to talk about your own type yeah but, yeah um, you know Roughly speaking, it's like I'm so the sexual instinct, in contrast to a lot of ways that is understood, um, is about sexual attraction, right? Like the social, like a lot of this, the qualities of the social instinct have been inaccurately put onto uh, the sexual instinct. So a lot of people think sexual is one on one or it's intimacy or it's some kind of bonding instinct. That shit's all social. Um, you know, the sexual instinct does have a one-on-one -on -one quality in the way that you're like, I'm attracted to you, you know, but social is an adaptable lens. It can be one-on-one, -on -one, it can be groups, it can be whatever, but it's not just some vague tribal group instinct. Right. It's like, it's, it's about any time you're relating to another human being as a human being, mm. you're engaging with social and social instinct evolutionarily stems from animals needing to parent. Mm. So that's like, that's what the most intimate relationship of all. So intimacy, all this stuff is social. Sexual is about sexual attraction and being sexually attractive. And so part of being a sexual four is that there is this need to be this, like, first of all, voraciously attracted to somebody. And also like being this very exotic, um, like competitive. Never competitive, like, yeah, you're never going to be as fixated or as fascinated on anybody but me as you are with me. It's like, like, I'm going to be um, like something that you can never find elsewhere. And, God, and, and in your face about that's it. That's real. That feels that feels like Macy. But is it but is it in the realm for you, Mace, uh, yeah. of, of attraction, like mm. wanting yeah. people to be hot for you no like. that's specifically what it is <laughs> okay okay yeah so you know sexual four it's like it's like <laughs> very right. hyper specific and elaborate sexual identities and there's a way in which like any kind of mediocrity feels like death you know and so you're trying to kind of be this elaborate art project a hundred percent um but that's also like uh like provocative you know like you're kind of getting you're trying to provoke shit all the time because it's four and eight and six are reactive types. So one thing I'd throw in there, John, so um, some of what you're saying is uh, specific to sexual unto itself. So if we yeah. were considering 
nine. Sexual nine. Sexual nine. What would that look like? Can you say something about that? Yeah, so uh, one of the ways to understand um, sloth, the passion of the nine, in relation to the instincts, is that there is a little bit, it's almost like, um, it's almost like the most bare bones of the types. And it doesn't mean in terms of people, but in terms of the structure that is underlying the type. So it's sort of like sloth means I develop myself or my personality, or I grow, or whatever, or individuate. Individuate is probably the best word. Individuate to the point where I can get my instinctual needs met consistently. Mm-hmm. And unless I have some sincere desire to wake up, I don't develop more than that. So it might mean that I develop my personality, uh, you know, enough to have close, reliable relationships and friendships is it through the social instinct, or I'm able to, you know, take care of my basic self-preservation need and have an income. And I, I, you know, have a interest in hobbies, like I do sport or whatever sexual nine. It's like, I, I developed my personality to be this attractive catch, this object, this sort of like sexually desirable thing that I can be projected upon. And so, mm. like, a lot of, like, you know, like, not, not to say all porn stars are sexual nines, but, like, that <laughs> kind of porn star archetype of, like, I'm whatever you want me to be, baby. You know, this yeah. kind of kind of thing. It's like I become a sexual vessel. Yeah. Like, and, you know, sexual nines have a lot of depth and a lot going on, but there's a way in which uh, that they have, they may have through a certain, you know, through, through a certain point in their life, been you know naturally like gone along this path where they become these these like sexual ornaments sexual mm. desirable beings and they decide they want more but a lot of nines can just coast at whatever level they're getting the sexual juice or if they're sexual nine or whatever hmm. yeah you know i mean this sh- shut me down if you don't like this line of thinking but this comes up sometimes when we're talking just in terms of like intersectionality in the Enneagram and like thinking about this idea that I think comes up talking to my wife sometimes and then talking to you of like being assigned female at birth and this sort of cultural expectation of women to be more agreeable and cooperative and sunshiny and soft and you sort of being raised with that expectation combined with the four potentially or nine whatever you are <laughs> do you do you, does that resonate at all yeah you can see something, David. Pardon me for jumping in. Ahead, but yeah. That that comes up in a lot of these sort of online settings where John and I are harassing people. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but just to, to what you're describing there to a significant degree to me and probably to John is an attachment type kind of view of the world and personality and Mm. development of the personality, which is that, that for example, a four, because they were born into a certain family and a certain cultural style and so forth, they might be significantly less four-ish and significantly more agreeable and not this, all of this horrible stuff that John and I are describing about (laughs) force, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but so John, what would you pick it up from there if you would? So yeah, like just from the four point of view, and first of all, I just want to say like, it's pretty fucking badass that you're so open to this kind of inquiry. 
Like, yeah, well, it's, it's fun really to talk cool. To and like, I want to acknowledge that because like I'm thinking it, but I maybe didn't say it. But because mm. it's like a lot of people can't do this. Here uh, for it. I mean, I mean, yeah. what if if I've been mistyping this whole time? It's like it will it will not serve me to keep thinking I'm a four if I am not a four. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, like in like I don't care what type you are. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? right. I don't Same. care. I want you to find whatever your type is, and the best I can do is either describe the types I understand them or mirror what I think I see, yeah. and that's it. I don't know you, you know? Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, like, that attitude is, like, like I can feel my body relax when you say that because it's, like, um, that attitude is remarkably rare mm. within so-called inner work and mm. self-inquiry modalities, right? So that's a huge thing. And like just the willingness and, and to put yourself out there is like a huge thing. And, you know, Dave and I are both, uh, you know, we're both social blind. So we're not always the most like soft in our delivery style or whatever. We're just like, yeah, this is what I see. So um, <laughs> I would, I'd rather you be honest and tell me than not. <laughs> that's, that's fucking great. Um, so back to what David was, was highlighting. It's like, you know, Four has this perspective of being so fundamentally separate that it almost feels like none of the, none of the upbringing even touches you. Uh. You know, and so uh, not to say it doesn't, but it would, or not, yeah, not to say that it doesn't touch the four, but the four would feel disgusted to think it did. Yeah, which I kind of, I sense that. I mean, first of all, I don't know if I, this is, I'm non-binary and I'm a lesbian and I'm like kind of existing in that particular social realm as mm -hmm. well. So I think this is interesting as we even talk about like sexual for whatever, like I was super repressed in terms of like my own sexuality. And I think that's its own curious piece because there's a part of me that's wondered like as a four, how could I have like been so repressed in my sexuality? Because I didn't start exploring it until a few years ago. And so that's like an interesting factor when you think about like it is both the social factors, but it's how you respond to those social factors. And it's like whether you conform to them or resist and I feel like I'm yeah I don't know I'm having this is this is really interesting because I think the the sexual four pieces like kind of do stand out like as you were describing it that is that is like how I'm seeing myself and I am like it's different than that nine like I'm not like I'll be whatever you want I'm like I am fixated on being what's I don't even know the right words but like yeah like the the best and the strangest and the the most like I'll give you the most like unique experience you'll have and like you'll never find someone like me and that's why you should be with me and I'm fixated on cultivating that image or yeah, whoever it is that I'm interested in I don't know if you relate to this John but there's there's something I learned very early on with Mace that if I wanted or was hoping for something, I can't suggest it directly because then it will be denied Tra traditionally. You know, I, I, I can't say, Oh, this would be great. Like, that's what I think would, you know, like maybe a sexual nine, whatever you want, or, you know, uh, I have to, I have to sort of suggest it in a roundabout way and hope that maybe, <laughs> maybe <laughs> but if i say i think you should do this or this would be a good idea you're kind of your first instinct is like no <laughs> well yeah so you know again that's like sort of granular difference between heart center and body center mm -hmm. it's like from a nine like from a four point of view that could be like no i'm disgusted right that's not yeah. my identity from a nine point of view that could be resisting to preserve my autonomy 
Ah, yep. yeah. Yeah. And so hmm. it's like, you know, and, and it sounds like you have at least elements of both going on. Yeah. Another, another thing I want to add is that we we can find something like, like you know, I could go on. We go into a lot of depth of each type and instant combination, much more than these little sketches. But that at least on a surface level, I think most of us relate to can find something at least to relate to in, in the majority of the types. Hmm. But part of what what uh, is really important to understand is that whatever your type it's like this is what you're living all the time yeah you know this is like you're obsessed like without knowing it. <laughs> yeah. you know it's like this is like uh so anyway it's like there's going to be pieces we'll draw and resonate from and all the things and and part of it is like why are we relating where are we relating from what center are we relating from hmm. right that's another element i i don't want to take i don't want to take too much more time just because I'm, I'm like, or I hope this is interesting to people. But one thing that comes up a lot is like, and Scott can testify to this, of like bad person language. Or like there's a lot of times where like shame really does feel very on the surface. And like very quickly if something happens, I feel like I've let someone down. It, The translation is very quick to be like, I've done something and now I'm a bad person. And I've always thought that was related to for shame, but I would be curious if it's, could be something else or what that could yeah, be. Yeah, that's a good one. John, how would you talk about shame with four? Yeah, that's that's another like fascinating thing is that rage, shame, and anxiety from the point of view of the dominant uh, affects behind the centers. So rage in the body center. I'm just saying this shit because I know you guys know this, but for the listeners. Oh, this yeah. is great, yeah. Uh, rage is underlying the body center because the body center is how we maintain ego boundaries. Mm. We're not present to our bodies uh, we're not feeling here. And so we're not feeling here. We're replacing our sense of hereness with tension and pushing, which is it forms dissociation that that life force that's not felt and sensed in presence becomes turned into rage. Mm. Um, underlying the heart center is like when we are really present to our heart, we have a direct felt sense of knowing who and what we are. What I was speaking to earlier, that sense of like, oh, like I'm touched in the heart. Uh, and now I'm a cat dad or mom or whatever, cat parent. <laughs> uh, you know, it's like that. that's because the heart is being affected, and that's scary. So we mm. put a lot of covering and control over the heart. And when we do that, we're out of touch with who we actually are, mm. our felt sense of our identity. Mm. And so we replace that felt sense with an image. or a, And it's not a visual image. It's like a it's, – it's, it, it's got a visual component to it, but it's not like how I look. It's like this sense of – of how I am is sort of a frozen static sense. Yeah. And so what is underlying that when we when when something challenges our view of ourselves or when we access parts of ourselves that are not under the purview of that self-image, what comes up is a deep sense of shame. And shame is this shame that I'm nobody or I have no identity. And it's it's like often like like shame is associated, for example, with four, but it's also associated with three and two. And Three and two, like, don't seem to be that shameful most of the time, like, you know, from the outside. Yeah. It's the same thing with four is, like, often it's shame gets talked about in relation to four is, like, I feel ashamed about all this stuff. It's not – doesn't really function that way, you know? It's, and like, actually – Can you say more, something – I'm sorry. Can you say something about the narcissism in the in the two, three, four space? Right. Yeah. So, yeah, so two, three, and four all struggle with different forms of narcissism. And we're all narcissistic in some way, but, like – 
you know, if we're identifying with an image, we're not just being ourselves, we're performing ourselves. And so two, three, and four represent this, both this sense of um, self-inflation and self-collapse, yeah. and, or often self-inflation to prevent the self-collapse. But it's like, you know, so two as pride, the narcissism that I have just good intentions and I'm like uh-huh. <laughs> over investment in You're seeing a meme myself. with the sunblock, good intentions. Yeah, Jack Nicholson. Uh, <laughs> thank the you. The best Ooh. meme ever. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, f- uh, big hormone on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. follow it. <laughs> Some dumb. Just memes. dab up uh-huh. my good intentions. Jump on in to <laughs> other people's business. <laughs> and then uh, three, you know, um, three is like narcissism around what I can do and be and what you know. Yep. I- I'm the fucking greatest, whatever. Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, four is narcissism around being like the, the deepest, the only one who gets it. The like, like you know, like all that separation thing. That separation is reinforced by this deep sense of being better, you know, of being, of being, you know, whatever. And so when it comes to a listener experiencing shame, it may or may not be indicative of being rooted in the heart center. We all yeah. feel shame. Right. Yeah. We can all feel shame for different ways, especially like you're saying, if you have this strong social instinct, it doesn't matter what type you are. Uh, you're going to feel shame and, but it's going to be a different thing than the way that shame functions in the level of self image, right? That's like a particular function that it has. Mace was talking about shame, about sort of being a bad person, which to me is not heart center shame per se. Can you say some, well, (laughs) um, if you say more, maybe I can say more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, that's not, particularly a four-ish kind of shame right yeah. that i'm a that i might not be a, a you know i mean a four could have that shame but that isn't you know that's not a central piece of of four is you know four doesn't have a lot of energy around whether they're a good person for the very most part right hmm. Hmm. Um, yeah we kind of assume that we're bad you just assume you know, it's like defective. we're there's an assumption of of being uh, like, like, uh, poison, you know, like, like I, I think of like, um, I relate a lot to, uh, Warren Herzog's Nosferatu, you know, and then he's like the way he, uh, when he enters the city, he disguises his presence with this like plague of rats. Right. And so it's like (laughs) this sense of like being a toxic entity. And so if I'm toxic, like I'm going to be fucking toxic. I'm going to be like this like fucking sore this bleeding sore constantly and you're Dang. kind of attached to the image of actually being that yeah Dang. exactly yeah it's so it's not it's not Very a thing to be shameful about yeah this is oh i don't know what to make of this because there's pieces of each that are that are resonating who is oh, me so, <laughs> so so I mean, again, I'm just exploring here, yeah. right? Um, but I mean, pieces of each that are resonating. That yeah. right there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, dang it. <laughs> That's really funny. God, that, I'm like, I mean, like, have like I wanted to be a four because like it's four cool? Four is like super, 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 extra, extra, super specific, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, like I am only this, right? And no, 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 I'm not that. I'm not, 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 no, 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 right? 
you do love you do in that nine way even with the enneagram love the cosmic connection of all things i know i know and you guys said bjork is a nine (laughs) and i was like bjork is a nine yeah Um, oh yeah there's i mean very much you know like (laughs) that redeems it No, like again, like there's a in, bunch of artists that are nines. Mm. Yeah, like of- like I would say, that there's it's easier to find nine artists than four artists. Totally. And, hmm. and I, that's like part of there's so much shitty teaching around nine, and yeah. not giving nine enough fucking credit. You know, like David is a nine, and he's coming up with all this shit. You know, it's like it's there's there's just this this like all these biases within how Enneagram is taught and expressed and understood. Gosh, yeah. I'm, a, this is I'm good. a guitar. I'm a guitar player, and some of the most influential, innovative guitar players have been nines: Eddie Van Halen, Jimi huh. Hendrix. That's correct. Eric Ooh, Clapton, Jimi Hendrix. Because see, I would have guessed Jimi Hendrix is a four. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. But if you watch, there's a there's a PBS had a special on him. If you watch mm. that special all the way through, you'll see nine. I mean, he's just yeah. actually just got that sweet nine thing. But yeah, like huh. Bjork. Um, even the director David Lynch, who makes these really dark movies that, and everybody thinks he's a five with a four. Right. This guy. Me. Yeah. yeah I always no, think he's, he's like my patron he's a saint. Nine. Okay. Watch, watch some interviews. What I mean, there are dozens upon dozens of. No, um, I mean that's all I do is watch David Lynch interviews. Well, so as you say it, it's true. It's like he is so sweet. He's you know? so sweet, yeah. and when he talks about ideas, and this is so not five, he talks about it like a grandpa going fishing. Yep, all the time. You got to put your hook out and catch the fish. Yeah, it's, it's all. It's <laughs> like a little old lady English and it teacher. Feels very, yeah. very good to catch <laughs> well, the idea. Like, you know, like Slavo Zizek. Yep, yeah, love Slavo Zizek. You know, yeah. I mean, such a five, but like, <laughs> like, like it's the high strung whatever. Whereas, totally. like David Lynch has this fucking um, like, this is the weather today. Yeah, we love <laughs> like, it. Like, I can't it. imagine a five ever like doing that yeah. shit. Ever, yeah. ever. Gosh. Yeah, there's a lot of patience for that. And and then and then maybe you just some people get attached to maybe his art, which is dark and five wing four ish. But that's not him. Well, sure. and he talks about making his art and it being out of a place of like not torment and anger that he's actually making it. And it's he's having fun doing it. Yeah. Gosh, this well, is a big you know, conversation. Another thing, too, is like darkness, uh, like any type can express darkness. Yeah. So like, you know, if it's dark, it's not dark because it's somehow five wing four ish or yeah. something it's dark because it's the that he's accessing as a nine the dark part of things yeah. you know and it's, it's, it's like, like go ahead go Dave. ahead i was gonna say i mean it's like carl jung the you know he's the one the progenitor of the idea of the shadow yeah. right which yeah. is and and by the way you know he was a nine so was oscar achazo Right, who came up with the enneagram? Right? I just so, I just did like, a research paper on Jung, and I was like, man, I relate so much to Jung. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, and Jung's a fucking badass, and it's like you know, and a, and a genius, and it's like these these genius qualities are generally not brought out in nine, and there's other types that, like six gets a lot of shit on too, you know, and it's like yeah, I know it does. I want at least like I, I don't care about fe- people feeling good about themselves, but at least they should be able to. <laughs> Find what a great statement. <laughs> they should at least be able to find the thread of like I'm a creative person and I need to see uh that creativity mirrored in this in this way, you know, right, instead of just right. like like I'm a four, uh I paint or whatever, fuck it. But it's like not all creativity is four at yeah. all by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. And yeah. four it's like a very specific flavor of that. Uh it has a specific function. 
yeah. in for personality, but it's different. So it's like getting these kind of, it's like the trifix thing. It's like getting these different kind of little flavors out of the whatever. Isn't it, you know, You're going to have a lot to think about. I oh, guess. I have so much to think about. I mean, the last <laughs> thing that's just like, I would just love to touch on is just this idea of like fixated on like uniqueness and fixated on image. Cause like I listened to your guys' episode on fours. And one thing that I loved was, um, I forget who said it, but someone essentially was like, don't get it twisted that fours aren't curating and thinking about their image as much as threes are like, they're just as much like focused on that. And I, mm-hmm. I do feel that being kind of a mania within myself, like very concerned about having a particular image and the way people are seeing me. Just one thing I'd say about that is that part of what would be included there with four is a lot of critique of what everybody else is doing with image. Mm, dang. You're not as critical. You're no. very open. This is craziness. <laughs> this is craziness. My That's housemate's behind me, and he thought when he listened to your podcast, he was like, "You could be a uh, one of the the huh the the nine yeah. seven four, which you could be." Jeez, <laughs> this is really fun. <laughs> well, you know, so I like again, like this spirit of inquiry, like whether or not you're a nine or four, it doesn't matter, right? 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 right. Changes. It, the only thing it could change is the questions that you're able to ask yourself, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and that's like, we get really, we, people accuse us of being very obnoxious because we are obnoxious. So they accuse us of being <laughs> gatekeepers or whatever. Maybe I don't care. The idea is trying to introduce these distinctions that get people to ask themselves these kind of questions and inquire. And it's not like, who cares what type you are? You're yeah. like, I always say you're the same shitty person before <laughs> yeah. you know your type. That's great. After you know your type. That's no, really it's great. super. Yeah. If you're a six, if you're a five, you're a four, you're a two, whatever, like whether or not you're, you're the same person, no matter what you, you actually, what type you actually are versus what you identify with. It That's doesn't great. change who you are. And so you might as well, uh, like find what is accurately yourself. And it doesn't give you anything by getting the gold star. I'm an eight or whatever. It's like the whole process of the Enneagram personality is consciously humiliating yourself. Ooh, love like, that. Because the only way to give up your identification with these personality structures is through a certain form of humiliation. Yeah. To be humble. Yeah. And to be down, humble comes from the word hummus, meaning down to earth, like mm. earth. So mm. it's like being mm. on the earth, being real. Mm. And so you, like, the only thing you have to lose is your delusions, right? Mm. And all mm. the things that we, we part, part of what we also have to lose is the things that we attribute like, oh, if I feel brilliant, I must be a five. Or if I value my intelligence, I must be a five. You can be any fucking type and be intelligent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I have, I'm loving, so I must be a two. Like uh, loving is really important. You can be whatever, you can be loving with whatever type. But what actually, if, you, if your intelligence, for example, is something that you value, what's going to get in the way of your intelligence and your seeing that yeah. allows the intelligence? And that's going to be your type. Yeah. So yeah. whatever you want to actually serve in yourself like fucking just like like if you got to be horrified by your type <laughs> that's the only way that you're really going to actually work with it if you're yeah. disgusted like yeah. if you're actually seeing the prison mm-hmm. you got to see the, pr- the transformation waking up is not about like oh i've ascended the next level and i have the the you know whatever 
it's it's about seeing more and more and more clearly the prison you're in, mm. the contours of it, the, the the bars on the jail cell, the texture of the concrete, and the the way the bedding of the jail jail cell is, and the shitty toilet, and all you know. It's like getting more and more specific because only like only when you see it can you ever find a way out. Yeah, that's so good. I'm gonna put that at the very beginning. That ha- whole part. Have you guys <laughs> seen the show The Midnight Gospel? I, know, I was just thinking that. Oh, please watch The Midnight Gospel. I think you'd like it. So so good. It's on Netflix. What is it? It, oh, okay. do you guys, did you guys ever watch Adventure Time? Yeah. It's a cartoon for kids. It's created by Pendleton Ward, but this he created like a, a rated R cartoon. This sounds crazy, but you know, it's like it's a really silly psychedelic mind trip of a cartoon that just combines first of all, it's crazy to describe, but it takes an original recordings from a podcast and then puts them in a narrative cartoon form. So like oh. these guys are like destroying zombies as they're having their conversation about psychedelics. <laughs> Um, mm. and, and then there's a narrative that plays out, but there's, there's one, um, it's essentially someone in prison, like yeah. they're in prison and they keep trying to escape and it's like, they keep dying, they keep dying and dying and dying and dying. And it's like, it's exactly hmm. what you're describing. This kind of like mm, in their own jail cell and they have this little like soul bird that's attached to them. It's, I think you might like it. I've watched every episode like 15 times and it's like six episodes. <laughs> so it's so, it's so good. <laughs> Uh, so it, they're just 30 minute episodes, but they're sounds gems. interesting. Yeah. 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 Uh, so one thing I wanted to add in too with, <clears throat> uh, on the nine, four thing is, um, and this may or may not be the case for you, Mace. Yeah. If, um, but, um, you know, one thing that nines are and uh, that I think nines are often doing unconsciously by identifying with four is, it's a way to say that, hey, actually, I have a whole bunch of emotions going on underneath this somewhat agreeable surface, right? Mm. There's, a, there's actually all kinds of stuff going on, good, bad, in between, dark, painful, horrible, you know, violent, happy, joyous, and so forth. Um, and, it's a, and it's a way to kind of um acknowledge that in a way Dang. right yeah yeah, yeah. You, anyway one, one thing that uh you know mace that you pointed to is i, I and tell me if i'm misinterpreting you but no. you, you, you spoke to like you know all these conflicts and strong feelings inside and darkness and but wanting to be kind of a safe space for other people in the mm-hmm. way you ex- extend yourself externally and, you know, that's very much, in my view, a nine sensibility, whereas four has the same stuff. But it's like I want to represent and express it almost to a point of nausea of like whatever mm. darkness or strong feelings I'm having. I'm constantly trying to represent the con- like I don't want to be safe for other people. Mm. That's part of the frustration of setting myself apart. You know, the affective frustration. Yeah. And reactivity and reactivity right. is like I want to provoke. I want to provoke. I want to provoke. I want to provoke. I want to make you uncomfortable. Mm. Mm. which i yeah i mean that's yeah i mean as you're saying that's not that's not an often function of what i'm trying to do like no i mean if anything you're always keeping me in check to be like you need to think of this you need to be careful that was oh we need to consider these people you know you didn't really think about that thing and i'm like that's very nine right there this is crazy (laughs) i'm i this is i'm like really appreciative for you guys, like <laughs> walking through that this, nine <laughs> is very much wanting everybody to be okay, right? 
we just what you know making sure that everybody's sort of attended to i mean especially when there's some social instinct in there right like i'm social last nine so i can be pretty bad <laughs> yeah. all that stuff. but uh but but at the same time you know there's i'm noticing you know when somebody is uncomfortable or whatever mm. i may or may not yeah. reach out and do something about it but, but you're noticing yeah yeah oh boy I'm, I'm gonna have to make sense of so many things because there's lots of behaviors that i do and that's gonna be interesting to unpack because it's like i am known for hide and seek I do put up really firm boundaries. If I'm like done with someone, I'm like I'm done with this person, big boundary. Like, so yeah, I mean like, like uh, I'm a nine and I spend, I, I have to have enormous amounts of alone time. I mean, I've never, I'm 55 and I've never gotten married or had kids because that's how much alone time I need. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm super, I'm more alone than John is. Right. So, yep. I mean, there's, uh, so it's, you know, it, it, there's a whole bunch of different ways that nine can iterate out as relative to all of that stuff around people and so forth. And part of why nines want to get away from people is because they're absorbing people. Right. So it's ah, like, damn mm. it. I need to get away so I can just be me. <laughs> <laughs> right yeah, because that. you're co sentences literally at said the level, <laughs> at the level of your body at the level of your body you're absorbing people and it's causing all kinds of tensions which, in your body which i've always so okay i'm sorry but this is just a lot for me to process uh i've always kind of understood this like understanding of like interjection and like fours are prone to interjecting which i don't know if you guys have heard that that's a that's great a good fucking one. Uh, point. I, I said, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no, go no, ahead. But I was saying I identify with interjecting so, so much. That's that's so. All right, so that that is so John's illustrative. Of, of here we go. So yeah, I'm I'm all worked <laughs> up over fucking here. So uh, that's such a good thing to bring up because that's not only a point of a lot of confusion. It goes into the whole thing about really understanding, like everything we'd be talking about today. Mm -hmm. Uh, because, all right, so what interjection is, is a way of absorbing or taking in something from the outside and bringing it into your self-concept. Mm -hmm. This was like, Claudio Naranjo was a student of Oscar Echazo's, and he did a lot to try to, he tried to legitimize Echazo's very mystical Enneagram through uh, bringing in a lot of, like, uh, you know, terms from depth psychology and the DSM and all these kind of things. And so... He wanted to, you know, he tried to assign a dominant defense mechanism to each type. Mm. I think that's a little artificial, but uh, but he assigned interjection to four, which I think is inaccurate, mm. and it's led to the interpretation that what four is is uh, an interjection of the parent's negative attitude towards the child, and so it makes four as a personality type a resolution of poor self-esteem or something, or a conflict over poor self-esteem, which I think is really... Um, kind of deletes all that identity stuff I was talking to earlier mm -hmm. um, and, and how we know our identity. But uh, so I think that if you were to assign a dominant uh, defense mechanism to uh, for, I would say that's splitting, which is the good object, bad yeah. object, the ideation denigration. But introjection is something that is, is a product of having permeable ego boundaries. And the thing about four is that it, they reinforce strong ego boundaries through frustration. They separate. 
Nine, on the other hand, is constantly struggling because it's this absorbent quality that David was speaking to. It's like nines are are bringing in so much. They're so sensitive. And this is why I was speaking to earlier sensitivity. Fours <laughs> might get their like precious little feelings hurt very often, but they're actually quite insensitive a great deal. Whereas nines are like the empathetic type. You know, they're yeah. the type where they can feel what other people are feeling and they can't help it. That's the problem is that they have a, it's like, I'm empathetic to a point where I can't help my empathy. <laughs> yes. Whereas fours have to get out, they have to do a lot of work to get outside of themselves to be empathetic. It's not yeah. natural. That's why their line to two can be a, a growth point. Whereas nine <laughs> has to kind of like uh, go to three and be like, no, it's me time, baby. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, because they're yeah. they're Dang. they're absorbing, and so like you get you know you get people describing four as the empathetic type, and I'm like, you've ever met a four? You know, uh, they're not the empathetic type. They can be like anybody can be, but the the real type that is afflicted by empathy is nine. Jeez, this is big. This is good. This is a lot to think about. We should we should do a follow up. I would discussion. love that. Yeah. I would love that. Honestly. I'm gonna be. This is gonna be. I'm going to be thinking about this deeply. And feel free to reach out to us. Oh, this yeah, is or, so or, fun. Personally or, or, whatever. or be like, those guys are fucking wrong and assholes. No, no, you know, no. Like, no. Whatever, you know, whatever. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, I think that's why we wanted to have you on. Cause I definitely really quickly, I like saw a bunch of your memes and was like, Oh, these people have something to say about the four, nine mistype. And I was very curious, mm-hmm. which that in itself is really interesting that I was yep. so curious about that. Gosh. Well, it's a, it's a Pandora's box, you know, cause it's like, it challenges. And I mean, that's like what our whole, our whole podcast is not debating fours and nines, but yeah, no. uh, you but know, you got it's a four just, and a nine here. Yeah. It, yeah. yeah it, that's funny. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that it's, it, it brings into view a lot of the, uh, you know, the popular engagement with the Enneagram mm-hmm. and versus the things that we think are more juicy and interesting, but also more uncomfortable and kind of whatever, like we call it, you know, big hormone Enneagram because it's like, you know, could, whether you got, you know, big dick energy or wet ass pussy energy or everything <laughs> in between or something else, you know, it's like, it's a, it's a completely neutral, big hormone, you know, it's like, that's the aim yeah. is like trying to kind of get in all the sweet spots or whatever, you know, hit the back walls or whatever. Love it. Love it. No, I love that you guys are out here doing your thing and I'm social blind too. So I get it. Um, <laughs> I'm always having to be told that wasn't very nice. I'm like, well, what? I didn't even notice. This guy feels no shame. <laughs> I have no shame. <laughs> uh, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I put some generally, I, I don't feel very much guilt. Um, no guilt. Yeah. yeah. Anyways. Uh, maybe next time if we do another one with you guys, if you're willing, cause this is so fun. I think that's one, I don't know if you guys, I assume you guys sort of relate, but like, um, we, we mostly just make sure that every conversation we have is fun and we just happen to record it, but we'd be like having this conversation anyways, cause it's fun. So, yeah, I mean, that's like, you know, uh, I've been friends with, uh, David, Emika, Nancy for a while. Yeah. Like we, we have, like uh really great conversations and we're together uh shit gets wild and <laughs> that's so, what it sounds like, like <laughs> and i was just like uh y'all we just fucking do a podcast yeah, yeah. it's just it's i don't know so anyway we didn't expect you know anybody to listen but uh it's been it's been no fun. it's so it's, fun yeah, this is what we talk about anyway yeah and, and we just keep making connections like this and we feel like we're obviously not certified anywhere or anything like that although we'd love to do that and 
we feel yeah, like we just keep making yeah connections with w- what we might call in quotes up and coming Enneagram folks, you know, and I don't know what's happening there, but it's cool. just fun to be having these conversations with emerging voices, you know, and well, wh- John, John's got a book coming out and I'm writing a book. So and cool. So, yeah. Do yeah. you, do you want to quickly plug your book? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, uh, John, you start. Yeah, so I don't know if it'll ever fucking see the light of day because we're working <laughs> on it so long. But uh, yeah, I just I, I I'm looking at the instinctual drives, the self pres sexual and social, but from the point of view of both biology as well as their role in inner work as a whole. Mm-hmm. So it's going to talk about like yeah, like what is a what it, what is the sexual instinct? What is the social instinct yeah. from a biological point of view? Why is it relevant in the context of the enneagram? Like why do we study these things? Yeah. Like why are they attached? They seem like they're separate systems. Um, but I, but I have a fourth way Gurdjieff sensibility point of view. So I, you know, I talk about all kinds of the different type instant combinations and mm. stuff, but I, mm. I see the instincts as what really makes the pivot between personality and essence, you know, our identification with instinctual mm. agendas and the role of instinctual needs and our physical needs. Uh, every spiritual tradition talks about the, um, you know, the role of, desires and passions and, yeah. and yeah. desires like as in uh our instinctual wants our instinctual needs and our instinctual motivations and then uh, and all the elaborate shit we build on top of that and then our passions like we you know the enneagram of passions is is our suffering that occurs when we're separated from essence and they're related deeply so that's mm. what it's about mm. and yeah david's got his thing <laughs> david. uh yeah so i'm working on a book um my approach is you know very jungian very cool. symbolic and so forth um i'm really relating, interesting thanks Sorry. i'm relating the uh <laughs> i'm relating the instincts to the four classical elements fire mm. air water earth um, like avatar the last airbender there you go yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> and um uh and and there's a there's a lot that comes from those associations mm, uh, mm. enough to fill a, a book or a half a book. Um, uh, what were you going to say, John? Talk about your cards, your instinct cards. Uh, yeah. So I, I developed these instinct cards um, probably about five or six years ago. I think it is at this point. Um, and one thing that's on those is uh, collages for each of the instinctual stackings. Ooh. Right. Hmm. And, uh, we discovered that collage was a powerful way to type people's instinctual stacking. Um, and so that's something I included uh, in the cards. And the other thing that's in them and, and in the book is um, the discussion of uh, sort of the instincts as archetypes for like cycles of events, you know, both at the personal and universal level or collective mm. levels. Um, the other thing I'm doing in the book is uh, associating the instincts and the instinctual stackings with the ancient Buddhist symbol called the Baba Chakra. Mm. Um, wow. It's the Baba Chakra is not ostensibly about the instincts, uh, but what I discovered is that the instincts are in there. There are three animals at the center of the symbol. There's a snake, a rooster, and a pig. And in my 
vernacular or schema or whatever you want to call it. Sexual is the snake, social is the rooster, and self-preservation is the pig. And then in the symbol itself, there's these six segments that are form another outer ring from that central ring. And those six segments, I believe, are the instinctual stackings. Oh, interesting. In the symbol, yeah, and it, and they really match up incredibly well um, with what the stackings are are and what they're like and and the characteristics and and anyway, so that's some of the contents of the well, book. Just to add to that, those animals represent the the three poisons in Buddhism that keep us in the realm of samsara, and those sam- those realms that David's speaking to, the six realms, are the realm of samsara or the 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 world of delusion. Yeah. 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 So he's a tr- he's taking a, you know attachment, uh, aversion, and ignorance, and relating to the instincts, and then how it keeps this whole samsaric world going. So it's Evolution. pretty interesting. Dang, that's really interesting. David's website is anyasite.com, and then we all on the pod have uh, anyagrammar.com, and then I got johnluckovich.com. So yeah. there's way too many websites. Well, and this episode probably won't come out for probably a couple weeks, actually, and we'll we will make sure to like really let people know where to find your stuff Appreciate because it. yeah i've cool. got Thank a patri- patreon thing as well if i don't know if you want me to give yeah. you the yeah, yeah feel free to or whatever yeah um, yeah uh, patreon.com slash any site like my website um, site as in s-i-g-h-t uh, s-i-t-e as in website okay yeah. Any yeah. Sweet. Site. Yeah. and that's, that's my website is any site.com yeah also this is fantastic. I mean, whether Mace is a four or a nine, we're all withdrawn types, which I think we can just like sit and talk for hours. And, and it's, I could sit here for another three hours, no problem. Um, well, on a follow-up, we can uh, put you under a microscope. Yeah, I'd love that. No, I, I know that. we have yeah, to yeah. do that. I feel bad. Yeah. Oh, no, don't. I mean, that was, I think it took a turn. Like, I think we, I was thinking, oh, we'll do Mace for five minutes and me for five minutes, but that took a huge turn. <laughs> and I also know that you're going to have a lot to process after that. Listeners that know us know that there will be a lot to process. This is like a giant cliffhanger, yeah. you know? Yeah, I'd be really interested in just, like, what your perceptions and thoughts and reactions are as you have more time to digest. Because, yeah. like, yeah. again, we could be wrong. And yeah. uh, okay. we're ju- I'm just curious, like, what this provokes. No. Well, I think one of the things is, is that to a certain extent when we started the podcast, we, we, we showed up right out the gate as people that knew our types. And so we're like we've already established I'm a five Mace is a four. So like there wasn't any sense of consulting with necessarily anybody else. We just announced that and acted that way. Mm. And, and so this is the first time I think ever that we've taken a step back and asked more like professional Enneagram type folks, um, to, to just give some feedback. That's all it was. It was really interesting. Like just some observations. And I just liked noticing some of the, um, you know, phrases that you said and just mannerisms and, it was good. I feel like everybody cooperated really well. That was really nice. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. Good. Good vibes with y'all. Good vibes. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, yeah. Mace, uh, welcome to the temple of rage. Perhaps. <laughs> I know, Mace. <laughs> well, maybe I have a lot of undiscovered rage. I mean, guys, in <laughs> I do Ma- obviously high, high priestess. Ma- Ma- Mace points a, paints a lot, and I was just thinking there's there is a lot. Uh, there's a there's a painting in the bathroom that I always see when I go in there, and it's a. Uh, Voices in my head, voices in my head. Like this, I feel like it get, it gets to a rage inside of you. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. That's just one of them, but there's other ones. Are those your paintings in the background? Yeah, some of them. Do you have a, a a website or something to look at them, or Instagram or something? I have an Instagram. Art moves both ways. 
Say it again. Art moves both ways. Art moves. Okay, I'll check you out. Yeah, that'd be super cool. I've also definitely checked out your paintings. They're very cool. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Like, uh, very thanks. cool. Yeah, I mean, I, as much as you guys are ever willing to talk until you guys get too famous, I think I would love to just, <laughs> I'd love to have you on as much as possible. It's so fun to talk. This is totally. great. Yeah. yeah, let's do it, do it again soon. Cool. Awesome. <laughs> this is so nice. I was I was shocked that you guys even responded. I mean, Mace had got super into Big Hormone, and I started listening. I was like, I'll just email them and see what happens. And we heard back, and we we're like, yes. you were freaking out. <laughs> no. glad you did. This is cool. This yeah. is fun. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, yeah. thank you guys so much. Um, have a good rest of your evenings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's be in touch. Right. Okay. Do the same. Awesome. All right. okay. Thank you. See thank you guys. You. Right, bye bye. Bye. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> no. <laughs> This is my home.